Good evening, everyone. Good evening, yogis. Gladdens my heart to see all of you. Feel very blessed to have this place of refuge, reminder, light, love, peace. As we know, the world needs a little bit more love, sweet love. So I'm hesitating a little bit because I was hoping that or I was waiting for a few people to drop in before we started officially. But the show must go on. So as always, we appreciate this opportunity to connect with ourselves, to accept ourselves as we are, to step out of the stream of fixing and figuring out, going, becoming, waiting, hoping, and instead give our body, mind, nervous system um, a rest by settling back into the moment, letting our attention dwell in the same location as our body, and let our attention love our body up, feel that, that sweetness that comes from being aware, being embodied, and the temporary cessation or quieting of that chronic habit of mind, the chronic desire to want to be somewhere else. So we use this opportunity to embrace the life that we actually live, not our imagined life of the past or the future, but this one right here. When I say settle back into the moment, starting this evening with letting your eyes close softly, and instead of going right to your breath, just sense your back body so that you remember that awareness is 360 degrees. And it's as though your body is sitting in this field of awareness where we have equal capacity for sensitivity to our back body, our front body, how swiftly, how effortlessly we feel the touch of our rear on the cushion the touch of our lips and eyelids, hands. We just let the sensations of the whole body fill our awareness. 
resting easily in this 360 degree panoramic, welcoming, impartial awareness. And just delighting in the body's experience of its own nature. Just that simple elemental experience of sitting, sinking our attention with the little movements that our body makes when it breathes. Not trying to alter anything, fix anything, or figure anything out, just connecting and sustaining that connection. The simple breaths, simple sitting body, senses open. And if you find it helpful, just let your breath be your home base or your primary anchor. And just receive those sensations that are created when your body breathes. And feel the delight and the knowing of an in-breath and an out-breath, the knowing of a short breath or a long breath a rough or a smooth one. Letting go of any idea of what a breath should be like, just connecting with it. Just sensing, oh, the breathing is like this right now. Being aware is like this right now. Noticing how quite naturally as our mind and body come into harmony, the division between body and mind melts away. Notice how there's a calming, a letting go, an ability to just dwell a simple way in this unfolding present. Not searching for any answers or meaning, just letting the meaning of life be expressing itself through our kind and interested and relaxed attention. Just this moment, just this breath, and just the sitting body. mingled with awareness of its body fullness. Even though our bodies are our anchor, always present, we're also quite gracious with other sense experiences like sounds, 
We let them come and go. Moods, we let them flow through our mind and body like changing weather. And even gracious with all the thoughts and images that just pop up all by themselves and float through our mind like clouds. We don't do anything about them. They liberate themselves. We just notice their nature coming, going. Everything unfolding of itself. Our only task is to remain as long as it lasts, to remain aware, to stay here. The soft mind and alert. Gentle attention, yet precise. Feeling the texture of this moment this breath.
no matter how many times you realize you've been lost in thought, just drifting, dreaming, fantasizing, planning or remembering, each moment that you recognize this as a moment of mindfulness, a moment of returning to the natural state of being aware, opportunity to let the mind sink back into the body and the body fill the mind. So no time to judge or evaluate, just be available to that opportunity to reconnect, to resync with life. It's quite natural for the mind to become absorbed following thoughts, but we we attempt to use the moments that we wake up to where we are to learn, to discover the life of the present moment, not to judge what has happened before. Just this moment, just this breath, body, mood, or thought, everything welcome, everything an opportunity for kind attention, body awareness, body fullness, just this moment.
Great pleasure to sit with you as always. Uh, I think maybe tonight I have some announcements that I want to make and uh, uh, do something a little bit different tonight. Uh, but I th so I think maybe we should do our announcements first. Uh, to who is that? Um, am I doing the announcements? Yes, Howie, you seem to be better at it than I am. I have, however, posted um, in the chat uh, uh, the uh, Labor Day meditation retreat already. Okay, just for those of you who are interested, the Labor Day retreat is listed at, on the Spirit Rock website as being an online retreat, but it will be an in-person retreat from, from in-person from September 3rd to the 6th. And registration is actually uh, open right now. So there, it will be limited to 80 spots and I'll be leading the retreat with Leslie Booker and James Barras, who is the coordinating teacher of the retreat. I've been leading that retreat now for almost 30 years uh, with James. And so it's a, it's a reunion and many of the people who come to the retreat are people who've come over the years, but it's always changing. And this will be my first time back on the land at Spirit Rock. So come one, come all. And as always, I don't need to say much. Most of you have been here before. And so you know that that this is a system of mutual generosity. And so I show up or whoever's taking this seat shows up, offers as their practice of generosity, the teachings, and then you are invited as your practice of one of the pillars of the Dharma of generosity to offer support so that the wheel of mutual generosity keeps this teaching rolling for as long as possible so many people can benefit. So thanks in advance for your generosity, always appreciated. So I might as well just launch in tonight. I'm, this is a, a bit of a novel evening because I'm actually not going to give a talk myself. I'm first going to announce some very sad news that, and especially feel sad about it as I see many of you who have been sitting with us for, for you know, upwards of, you know, 35 years. <laughs> and, um, and the sad news is that my number one, uh, the number one person who I have invited to substitute for me to be the leader of Mission Dharma when I, when I have not been available, among many other people as well, but the, the one person who I've relied on for the last 25 years, Yvonne Ginsberg has passed away. And, um, and Yvonne is a dear friend and colleague and just an amazing bodhisattva, somebody who just completely gave her life over to supporting other people as an activist, as a filmmaker, as a therapist, as a, an incredible uh, Dharma transmission. And I know many of you have come to Mission Dharma through the online connection, but, um, but Mission Dharma and this group itself would not be here in this format if it wasn't for the influence of the, 
of the all the people that have come through the years at our San Francisco location and would not be here if it wasn't for so many beautiful seeds planted by Yvonne and all of her teachings over the years. And what I plan to do tonight is to play one of her talks. It was a, a and I, this talk in particular, she gave literally almost to the day two years ago. And to, uh, it was June 4th, 2019. Um, it would be next Friday, it would be exactly two years. And it was at Mission Dharma in our city location. And it has so many of the feelings of, of that, the core of what has made this possible online. It had the, the feeling of the Sangha. It had the outside noise, the cars, the, the, the honking. And, and it's quintessential Yvonne just showing up not knowing exactly what she was going to share and then just transmitting this beautiful, beautiful Dharma. Uh, just so you know, from the information about her passing is a little bit sketchy, but the coroner, the coroner has uh, assured the person who I know who spoke with them that she died of natural causes. She was found after not showing up for some appointments uh, a health check, they knocked on her door, they went into her home, found her sitting on a chair uh, near the window. And she, it, on the positive side, that if she went very quickly, likely went very quickly, it is the most blessed death and rare death that a human being can have, as far as I can tell. Uh, I wish that for all of you, since we will all have to go through that at some point in the span of our life. So I think she died peacefully and um, quickly. And she, um, those of you who may not know about her. I'll lay down if I feel like, like it's not comfortable, I'll lay down. Okay, we have to. primary thing is for you to try to get some sleep. We've got some people who are, She was born in, she's a Holocaust survivor. And it's, it's particularly poignant these days when you have uh, just an enormous amount of proliferation of anti-Semitic acts by, uh, in this country. And, and then people conflating uh, mask mandates to to the, the Holocaust, the craziness, but, but she, she was a Holocaust survivor. She escaped, most of her family perished uh, until recently, until seven years ago, they were, she knew of no other living relatives. When she eventually found a second cousin seven years ago, who uh, only spoke to her in length twice, but at least the last seven years of her life, she was able to know that there was someone who was related to her. But she lived in Rome. 
She eventually came to this country. I don't know a lot of the details. I will over time. She just died last week. And eventually there will be some other kind of memorial that all of you will be invited to. But she was a very central, she did a long, she was maybe one of the first people I ever met that did three month long practice periods. And she studied and became a teacher trainee of a teacher named Dira Vamsa, controversial teacher, but she really drank deeply from the Dharma, from the teachings, from the practice. And she was an incredible lover of animals. And those who know her know she used to bring her dog with her to Mission Dharma. And just her ease and just fluidity with, with her animals. And she followed the famous Cambodian monk Mahagosananda all through Cambodia on his uh, peace and reconciliation tour and she made a, a film about it. So she had a just a, an incredible caring heart. She was part of the the seed program that became Search Inside Yourself which is this mindfulness training that goes all over the world. She's part of a the uh, preceding organization that, that was founded by Dan Goldman, that used to be the psych editor of the, or the, the editor of the New York Times psych um, section and the editor of Psychology Today. They, many of them got together and they created this program on emotional intelligence that at, at its heart uh, trained in mindfulness and that became connected to search inside yourself. So she did a lot of mindfulness training, both corporate, uh, beloved therapist and beloved teacher. She was very um, integral part of the Mindfulness Care Institute, Mindfulness Care Center, I should say, a place where we did a lot of the Mission Dharma uh, day-long retreats, half-day retreats, I think they were actually day, were they day longs or half days? I can't even remember, it's been a while. So anyway, she was a very, very special being and, and I will miss her, but it was a being able to uh, see some pictures today. I'm going to share a video with you of her so you get a feel for her if you haven't met her. But just know that if you've come to Mission Dharma, uh, not having met her or not having been at our location, she has been part of what has made it possible to be here. Just another reminder that we don't exist apart from each other, that we are influencing each other in ways that we have no idea. And how, how precious it has been in my life for the seeds that she planted and the, um, just, you know, I could talk all the time about, about Mission Dharma and the blessings of it but she was part of it. So first thing I'd like to do, and I'm, I've, I'm not used to doing this on the computer, but I want to share what I think would be a, a poem that would capture the, what I imagine is the freedom that she would express by her being in the way that she approached dying. And this is a poem from Jennifer Wellwood. 
entitled On Meeting Death. And I am going to think or believe that this is the way Yvonne exited this, this world of name and form. It's again, On Meeting Death. Tonight, Pluto, with the crescent moon as my witness, I welcome you as my lover. If you have come to break down my door, see, I have opened it. And wait here for you at its threshold. If you have come to tear off my clothes, I have flung them aside already. And stand naked, shivering gladly. If you have come to hurl me into the abyss, watch now as I release all false supports one by one and fall toward you in ecstasy. Hear this, Pluto, Lord of transformative fire. What you have come to take from me, I offer you. And may it be so, and may it be so for all of us. I think while I'm reading, I have it sitting right in front of me while I'm reading Jennifer Wellwood, always a, a useful reminder in the face of, of nature, life, life and death. Her poem called Dakini Speaks, which I think she would also have complete resonance with. My friends, let's grow up. Let's stop pretending we don't know the deal here. Or if we truly haven't noticed, let's wake up and notice. Look, everything that can be lost will be lost. It's simple. How could we have missed it for so long? Let's grieve our losses fully, like ripe human beings. But please, let's not be so shocked by them. Let's not act so betrayed as though life had broken her secret promise to us. Impermanence is life's only promise to us, and she keeps it with ruthless impeccability. To a child, she seems cruel, but she is only wild and her compassion exquisitely precise. Brilliantly penetrating, luminous with truth, she strips away the unreal to show us the real. This is the true ride. Let's give ourselves to it. Let's stop making deals for a safe passage. There isn't one anyway, and the cost is too high. We're not children anymore. The true human adult gives everything for what cannot be lost. Let's dance the wild dance of no hope. So one last thing that I would like to read along with your help, if I can manage to get it into the right position. This is the passage from the Tibetan Book of the Dead that is offered to those who are passing, knowing that they, at least in the cosmology of the Tibetan Buddhism, there is a period of, of some days where 
the person who has died is uh, visited by many of the impressions of their life. And the encouragement is that, that we encourage anyone who's dying or has died to, as they put it in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, to remember the clear light. These are also, this passage that I'll be reading is also a message to all of us to remember the same clear light as we're alive and keep going toward that light that we are. So if you can just hold Yvonne in your heart right now, Yvonne Ginsberg, and I will, I will put her image on the screen. And take these words and send them with all the love in your heart toward Yvonne. Remember the clear light, the pure, clear, white light from which everything in the universe comes, to which everything in the universe returns, the original nature of your own mind, the natural state of the universe unmanifest. Let go into the clear light. Trust it, merge with it. It is your own true nature. It is home. The visions you experience exist within your consciousness. The forms they take are determined by your past attachments, your past desires, your past fears, your past karma. These visions have no reality outside of your consciousness. No matter how frightening some of them may seem, they cannot hurt you. Just let them pass through your consciousness. They will all pass in time. No, no need to become involved with them. No need to become attracted to the beautiful visions. No need to be repulsed by the frightening ones. No need to be seduced or excited by the sexual ones. No need to be attached to them at all. Just let them pass. If you become involved with these visions, you may wander for a long time confused. Just let them pass through your consciousness like clouds passing through an empty sky. Fundamentally, they have no more reality than this. Remember these teachings. Remember the clear light, the pure, bright, shining light of your own nature. It is deathless. If you can look into the visions, you can experience and recognize that they are composed of the same pure, clear, white light as everything else in the universe. You will be liberated. No matter where or how far you wander, the light is only a split second, a half breath away. It's never too late to recognize the clear light. Now here is Yvonne. Hello. Okay. 
So, I have no idea what to talk about. I'm practicing radical honesty. See how far it gets me. This last 20 minutes. But, you know, I did notice, I mean, you can't help but notice when you sit down, the body becomes. Howie, I think you touched something and now people cannot hear the audio. Howie, try unmuting yourself. Let me start over. Notice when you sit down, the body becomes a prominent feature of your attention, right? And my heart was like going really crazy. And it took me a while to, for my body to settle down and to feel safe. Nothing to be anxious about. No preparation required. Just being present with whatever is happening in the moment. What makes it so difficult for us to suspend that into our daily lives more? Because it has an inherent pleasure to it, right? Anybody feel the pleasure of just being present? There's a kind of a sweetness and an expansiveness and the contrast is we wake up in the morning and we have a schedule, you know, boom, 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 boom. What time is it? How, how much time do I have to do the things that I need to do before I go out and do the next things that I need to do? And on and on until the end of the day, when we finally relinquish ourselves to the bed and go to sleep. And the next morning we wake up and we do the same things. It's like, what kind of a life is that to live? when it creates so much agitation and stress in our bodies. And because our bodies are agitated and stressed, our minds become hyperactive because the mind has the purpose of figuring things out for us, although it doesn't often succeed in that purpose, but it doesn't give up. So in the Buddhist tradition, taking this seat and doing this practice is taking refuge, taking refuge from the storm, being able to drop everything and regain a deep, intimate meeting with ourselves. because frankly, we run away from ourselves. 
so much of the time through engagement and entertainment and being busy, worrying, pushing, fretting. Somehow all those kinds of activities seem to be essential to our survival, but are they? What is the essence of this that we call being alive? It's being in contact with this because it's a temporary condition. We will lose our bodies. We'll lose our minds if we haven't already, but we don't lose awareness. Awareness is impersonal. It's like the flow of light that turns the light bulbs on in our minds and our bodies. And we all share in the same awareness. We can call it God, we can call it transcendence, we can call it bliss, but essentially it's the light of awareness. Like an empty stage, it expands and includes the infinite forms the infinite forms. So when we come to sit, we come to connect with awareness, becoming aware. What do we feel? What is this thing called experience? to stop running and to settle down and to be still and to be silent is to encounter awareness. And awareness has its own inherent sweetness. It feels good. Somehow it puts a smile on our face. Now that's not always true. Sometimes when we practice, we're in touch with suffering. Sometimes we feel the tension that's been building up in our bodies. And this yoga position is very, very skilled at showing us where our bodies are holding. But even in those circumstances, the level of attention that we apply to ourselves is so precious because we want attention, you know, from the littlest child to the oldest person, what we want is attention because it gives us a sense of being. When other people attend to us, we feel we really exist. We feel uh, excited. We feel relevant. We feel important. But the most important attention is the attention that we give to ourselves. It's an acknowledgement of the preciousness of our being. Which is different from being self-important or self-conscious or self-involved. Because that just involves stories that we tell ourselves about who we are and what we're worth.
when we attend to ourselves, we feel the closest and purest form of love. Attention is love. Whatever we attend to, it comes alive for us like it is being loved, it is being appreciated. We are appreciating ourselves. And acknowledging the challenge of being alive from moment to moment. We've got lots of ways to forget that it's a challenge and that it's an extraordinary gift being alive. You know, in the infinite realm of everything for us to be embodied in this time and in this place and to have this experience called being alive is absolutely extraordinary. It's beyond magical. It's profound and we can't understand it. What brings us here? I mean, from the beginning of time, people have been telling stories about why we're here and what we're supposed to do here because it's been a conundrum for all beings that have self-awareness to consider, well, what are we doing here? What is this all about? And that is the kind of introspection or reflection that leads us to the essential question, the essential spiritual question, true across all spiritual traditions and religions. Who am I? Well, we could even say, what am I? So when we practice, we begin to reflect on the essence of that question with the hope that we will discover our true nature. You could say, well, I'm a man or I'm a woman, you know, I'm American or I'm French or I'm Republican or I'm a Democrat. Or I'm healthy or I'm ill. I'm in love or I'm in hatred or, but who, who is that being that has those attributes? What is going on here that we have this experience? Who knows? It's still after all these centuries and millennia, it's still a mystery, believe it or not. And acknowledging the mystery makes us humble. And being humble, we realize there's only one way to begin to penetrate the answer to the question, who am I? And that's what we're doing here. And the great news about this practice is it's not dependent on a person telling us the truth an authority figure demanding that we do these things and behave according to a certain blueprint of goodness. A good teacher is somebody who brings us together so that we can practice this way and doesn't tell you the answers because you are the only ones who can come up with the answers to whom you are. 
and what is going on, moment to moment. And whatever truths we can uh, germinate out of that practice. And maybe the next time that we practice, we'll discover something different. Because really, as lots and lots of poets have said, and I'm sure Howie has read some of that poetry to you, there is eternity in each moment. And that's why there's a rejuvenating quality about practice, because it gives us a feeling of being beginners again, asking the question for the very first time. Like being reborn like saying, okay, I've tried to figure it out for years and years and years, but this time when I sit, it's like it's the first time. I'm reflecting on the truth for, of myself for the first time. And we bring expectations to our practice. We wanna be good sitters. We wanna follow the rules. We wanna make sure we do it right. We want to make sure we do it long enough. But there is no way of practicing wrong. As long as we're still and we're silent, we're doing it right. And what are we doing? We're being with ourselves. Nothing more, nothing less. It's almost forbidden, you know, in society to take time to just be alone by oneself, reflecting. You know, we're a society of action, of doers. Got to be doing something. Look at how busy I am. Look at how important I am. I've got a thousand calls to return, a lot of texts to respond to, and emails to read. And then after that, I'm meeting somebody for lunch. And after that, and after that, and after that, and after that. So that's, this is kind of like the opposite of that action stream. It's sitting down in the middle of all the activity and refusing in a way, refusing to do anything. Not answer the phone, not wonder why the siren is screaming outside of the church. The to not do anything is probably the most challenging spiritual quest that we have. Because if we weren't here in this group, in this context where it's appropriate to sit and do nothing, we would find it very difficult. And a lot of people find it very difficult to practice even for 15 minutes per day on their own, because it just feels so foreign. So I'm talking because uh, we've got some new meditators in the room and I'm talking to them as much as to myself and to all of us. The simplicity of the practice makes it difficult to get. It's too simple. We've made very, very complicated minds and lives for ourselves. It's hard to charge for sitting. Who's gonna pay you for doing a, a half hour sitting? 
Um, maybe there's some insights, but then when you get up, you forget them. And, you know, within 15 minutes, you're off and running. We're off and running, answering and watching and learning and working and traveling and doing the things that we do. Which is one of the reasons that longer retreats are really very powerful because there's a commitment to staying with it day after day from morning to night. When I first started, the minimum retreat was 10 days. That's been reduced to six days. So already we're cutting down, you know, the time of this kind of um, attention to awareness. And all the greatest teachers of all time have tried to describe the nature of awareness because awareness is impersonal. We all share in it. We all experience it because that's why we have subjective moment to moment experience. It all happens on the stage of awareness, but it's impersonal. Everybody shares in the same awareness, fills it up a little differently. So there's something delicious about just being aware in the moment. Nobody is making any demands. Our minds become more quiet, more relaxed. And there's a peacefulness that sets in. which you could say is the, the heart of being, this peacefulness. And even though this peacefulness is so delicious and delightful and relaxing, we can't sustain it. We want to go back to worrying and fretting and being busy and being stressed and anxious and making plans for how to feel better. So one of the great things about coming into a group and sitting together is touching back into that inherent, peaceful, delicious sweetness. We don't have to do anything. It isn't cultivated. It's a natural inherent quality. We don't have to buy it. We don't have to order it from Amazon. It's just there. It meets us. And says, where have you been? Why do you run away from me? even right at this moment, you know, there might be some part of us that says, okay, what's next? <laughs> right? Because we're just, we're like an engine. We're always trying to move forward, moving, moving, pushing. <laughs> so 
So my appeal to you all and myself included is don't deny yourselves this bliss, this peacefulness and sweetness. It's rejuvenating. It moves us into an alignment with what's true. It softens the heart. It quiets the mind. And it gives us a sense of ease. We could call it sacred ease if you want to really lift it up, you know, make it very, very special. But as special as it feels, it's the foundation of being. So it's everywhere all the time. There's nothing, it's ever present. Don't have to reach for it. Don't have to work for it. Just invite it through being quiet. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate. So thank you for listening. Uh, as Yvonne was speaking, I was remembering how I met her. She came to the sitting group that I led for many, many years in Sausalito in the hills. And whenever she would speak, it always had that flavor of Dharma. And she was just a spellbinding storyteller. And I, you know, I felt that I was really in the presence of someone with real meditative depth. And so I, I naturally wanted her to, uh, to lead the group whenever uh, I wasn't uh, around. And so, so as not just to hear her, I want to end this evening by letting you see her uh, do a, um, give a, a short, uh, very short talk in the, uh, that was given at a celebration for the fifth anniversary of the Mindfulness Care Center. And I will just leave you with her words that are, that you can take with you because I think this is her this is the legacy of her life and her transmission and hope it comes through as I share the screen again. One moment. One moment. There she is. So my image for myself is that I'm a candle and I'm lit some of the time. And I am here to light the candles inside of you that are lit some of the time. And that in that way, we are all the same. Fundamentally, we're all 
very much the same and we mutually inspire and light up each other. Wherever we are in the room, whether we're sitting or standing, teaching or being a so-called student, we're all candles being lit. And I'm very, very grateful for the people who take the time, like we all do, to light up so that we can share some light in this world because as we all have been saying, it really needs it. So thank you very much for being the candles that you are. <laughs>
Mission Dharma now. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Good night, everyone. Thanks. Good night, all. Right. Blessings and gratitude. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.